The other thing that I've got for you here, Larry, and then we'll, we'll kind of like start kicking the can down the road on a few other things other than just football and the NFL and 49ers. Um, you know, Kansas City, and this is, okay, this is not sour grapes. This is not complaining, okay? I just want to establish that. But Kansas City has gone to three Super Bowls here without a single holding call against an offensive line uh, in any of their Super Bowls. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a large enough sample size to say that they've probably gotten away with one or two holds along the way. Well, I saw that J.J. Watt was talking about, and and J.J. Watt might know a thing or two about offensive lines, holding, and so on and so forth. J.J. Watt has an idea that he thinks could fix the NFL's league's holding penalty, and uh, Athlons is saying it makes sense. Again, this isn't me. This isn't a 49er website. This isn't a 49er content creator saying this. This is Athlons, and I want to read it to you. Super Bowl 58 saw several missed holding calls, mostly against the 49ers in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs that directly impacted the game's outcome. Not me, not Larry saying that. A third party, neutral third party said that. Who who said that, by the way? I mean, you, does, I is there an author? It's in that. No, I don't have the author's name. I'm sorry. I didn't okay. write that. Down. That's all right. Um, Where are you getting it? Twitter? Athlons, yeah, it's from it's from Athlons Twitter handle. Gotcha. Uh, it's JJ Watt saying that he thinks the league should lessen the holding penalty from from ten to five yards. He thinks doing so would result in a lesser detriment to the offensive impact while encouraging referees to call it more when it's presented. In other words, referees know that a ten yard penalty is a stifling thing to give to an offense and so they're hesitant to do it if the penalty were less punitive the application of the rule would be applied more often i don't disagree with that now well, it, all, it all speaks to some like inner voice pushing for more offense right because it's like so you're basically saying that the refs um are seeing holds not calling holds because they're motivated to either stay away from anti-offense, anything that suppresses offense, or just kills game flow, um, which could hurt Super Bowl ratings, which could hurt revenue. So, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think it's an interesting point. Um, it's it's just it's it's a weird thing. I mean, I mean, let's just go back. Super Bowl Fifty Four. Bosa was held pretty routinely in that game. The Niners made a big stink of it. The next year, it's KC and Tampa. KC got held, or uh, KC got called for a bunch of holds in that game, and Tampa won the game. And it was like you, you're watching that as a Niner fan, going, "Weren't some of these holds last year?" And now here we are, Super Bowl Fifty Eight. I mean, how many times have you ever, in all your years of watching the NFL? seen an offensive tackle get away with a bear hug where you're not just hooking a guy with one arm that you're literally you're wrapping. surround you're wrapping him up i mean it's a you know it's it's uh it's two people dancing at a high school slow dance i mean it just it looks awful um you know so i don't know i mean i don't i don't i'm not i hate the complaining about the calls um i really do but i mean what the heck? Why invest uh, money in any defensive end if you're just going to allow either quarterbacks to release the ball after two steps 
and negate their entire rush, or if you're just not going to call holding. I mean, is it likely that Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith, who led the NFL this year in holding penalties, Jawan Taylor had 20, 20, seven more than the second-placed uh, uh, offensive lineman. He had 20 penalties, but you're telling me in the biggest game of the year against Nick Bosa and Chase Young, who were having a tremendous first half, that those guys did not get called for for one hold the Trent entire Williams day. Was. Trent Williams was caught Trent, holding. Trent Williams was caught holding, but these guys weren't. And then we have an example of literal bear hugs. I mean, it's just it it just I'm not. It's you can call it sour grapes, but it just it's what it is is just inconsistent officiating from year to year. And I think I think most people, most like baseball players. Hey, what do you think of umpires? They're fine either way. Whatever, pick your zone. I don't care if it's high, low, in, out. Just be consistent. Right. And they're all nine innings. And where was the consistency? I mean, how do you allow Jawan Taylor to bear hug Nick Bosa? I mean, and you didn't see that. Nobody saw that. You know. I mean, it's just. You know. I mean. Um, so whatever. So, I think JJ Watt might be onto something. Make it less punitive. If that means it'll be enforced more often, I'm fine with that. Another thing I would like to see the NFL do is get away from this ridiculous, oh, that's a pass interference call that was 55 yards. Make that the spot foul that it is in college. For, you know, 15 yards and a first down. Well, get ready for guys to wrap guys up then. You know, I mean, do you really want to see that? I don't think the league wants to see that. Do you really want to see... Uh, defensive backs just wrapping up the NFL's best wide receivers on all the deep throws because that's what's going to happen. Anything past 15 yards, if you're afraid, you'll just, especially inside of two, it's got to be some somewhat tied to time because what happens if you, you can't have somebody wrapping up receivers at the end of games and taking 15-yard penalties you know what I mean? Instead of spot fouls on deep right, or balls. Maybe, maybe that comes with like, so your next series, you get five downs or something. I hear what you're saying. You need to be, it needs to be more punitive to just prevent any and all Hail Marys for all time. Just, I'm going to tackle you at the 20 yard mark. I, I like, I get it. I know what you're saying, but like maybe the final five minutes of each half, maybe it's a spot foul, but otherwise it's a 15 yarder, something like that. Or maybe, how about this? If you, how about this? Maybe it's tied to the particular defender, and um, and you know you the first one you get is a is a fifteen yard, um, the second one's a spot foul, and the, there's spot fouls after that, you know something to, because you know what sucks is that it, you're you're taking an official's call, and you're making it one of the biggest plays of the game. It's kind of the reason that. Uh, there's soccer uh, you know refs that are getting attacked in their homes because the penalty shots are so punitive and and award such easy scoring opportunities in a sport where you otherwise have a real hard time scoring so they're they're they have a huge impact on the final who wins and who loses i you know i think the whole purpose of your switch here is to have less impact not more right so you know that that's 
they got to come up with something. But I would be in favor of something because a spot foul on a, you know, I mean, and it becomes like, hey, it's almost like, hey, you got third and 15. Just throw, just throw a deep ball and have your guy underthrow it and tell him, I'm going to underthrow the deep ball, run off and come back. And the defender has very little way of getting out of the way without, without, you know, committing the penalty there. It's almost like the high percentage play right now is the underthrown deep ball on, you know, third and 20. Why not? Uh, so one place where scoring isn't a problem, Larry, is an NBA all-star game. I, I, I'm ready to shift gears here for the, the, the last lap of the show. You, you, you ready to sure. do a few other things? Yeah. Did you watch any of that, man? Did you watch? I did. You- I watched a little bit of it. Oh, it's terrible. The only leave it to the NBA to make the alley oop boring. I mean, really, that's what they've done. The NBA has turned some of the greatest athletes in the world performing incredible highlights into the most boring highlight reel that isn't a highlight reel for anyone at all because nobody's playing defense. And for the first time, we saw Adam Silver nearly yell at an all-star game. Did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? Did you stick around for the trophy presentation at all? No, no, no. What did he do? Uh, Last night, the NBA all-star game went to the East 211 to 186, the final score. And all week long, Adam Silver had basically billed this as a return to competition. We're going East versus West. We're going to have these guys play defense like a real basketball game is going to break out in this year's all-star game. And quite the opposite happened. It was an abortion in terms of, you know, just it, it was a commercial for everything that is wrong with the sport of basketball. It was Guys clearly not trying hard, not playing, not running, deciding that this game isn't important. Um, If it's not going to be important to the players, they're not going to play well. And this game clearly isn't important to the players. They've even admitted that some of them. Um, and, And we'll talk about some of the responsibility falling on these old heads who are not going to the whip hand like they should against Generation TikTok, who decided, yeah, we're just going to roll it out there and see what happens. Um, but basically, Adam Silver got the, the trophy and he hands it to Giannis, who was the captain of the Eastern. Dame Lillard won his uh, the, the All-Star Game MVP. But he hands the congratulations, you just guys won the game trophy to Giannis and says, well, and to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Congratulations. <laughs> in other words, you guys just finished first in a nobody wanted to watch this. You're all bitches contest. Congratulations. It was it was one of the biggest fuck yous to an all-star game a commissioner has ever put out there. The East shot 97 threes. 97 threes and made 42. They made 43% from beyond the arc as a team. That's amazing, man. Halliburton shot 10 of 14 by himself. What a, what a first five in a row. Indiana was going nuts there for a little bit. Oh and my God. Eastern conference. All-stars. You scored the most points. Well, congratulations. That is Adam silver. Basically saying, 
fuck you guys. I, I'll say this. I mean, my I don't know what the TV ratings looked like. It's obviously not a game made for me, but I'll say this. My my senior in high school got together with a bunch of his buddies uh, at a friend's house and watched it. So, you know, I mean, uh, the, the you know, example there of kids who, who wanted to see it. So, hey, you know what? God bless them. I mean, I'll say this. It didn't bother me as as much as past All-Star games because it was aesthetically more like a game. And I, I, I feel I feel bad in some ways for the players because it's like there's no way to win. There's no way to win. It's like um, nobody wants to get hurt. Okay. But in the past, it's just been a dunk fest, but with nobody playing any defense. This time, they said, hey, guys, it looks terrible. Balance the floor, make a couple passes, and then shoot a three. And that's what they did. They balanced the floor. They made a couple passes. They shot a three. They shot nine, 97 for the East, 71 for the West. And that's a freaking ton. Well, got- 170, <laughs> roughly 170 threes in a game. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's, uh, so, it's the dunk so, I mean, contest is devoid of big names. Oh, the dunk contest. I mean, but come for, on. you know, the Steph Curry, Sabrina three-point contest, uh, there was nothing memorable about All-Star Saturday night. There was certainly nothing memorable about the All-Star game itself. Anthony Edwards, who uh, is – having a fabulous year for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He basically said the the quiet part out loud saying for me, it's an all-star game. So I will never look at it as being super competitive. It's always fun. I don't know what they can do to make it more competitive. I don't know. I think everyone looks at it. It's a break. So I don't think anyone wants to come here and compete. Oh, the, the, I mean, compete. I mean, <laughs> come on that nobody. I mean, if you can, if you even said you were going to compete, they wouldn't even want you there. I'll say this. When when I was a little kid, I can remember, you know, watching the NBA All-Star game. And one of the things I loved was they wore their actual uniforms. Yep. I mean, wh- what's the problem with the unis, guys? We can't go white whites for the home and and uh, colored uniforms for the road teams. And we, we have to we have to all wear the same uniform and well, not and be I, able to identify what what teams anybody's on. I'm I, a huge- I want to see. Uni, I'm a huge uni snob, and I actually thought that the All Star uniforms were okay. They weren't bad. They weren't gaudy. I, I thought that they were, uh, you know, they were fine. But yeah. I'm just saying, why not have their own uniforms? That's one. Two. Everybody used to do their signature move. So you know, for Dirk, it was the step back, and for Tim Hardaway, it was the crossover. You want to go old school? It was George Gervin you know, uh, with the finger roll. And there was a little razzle-dazzle, but it was, I don't know. I, I there, was, there, were some, there were elements of this game I really enjoyed. Like, I really enjoyed that back and forth uh, when, when um, Jokic and Doncic kind of brought, they went back and forth passing the ball without dribbling it mm-hmm. the whole length of the floor. I thought that was kind of a cool-looking little thing. I mean, that's almost kind of like a high school drill, the weave, the three-man weave where nobody really ever dribbles, and you just pass, 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 pass. That was kind of cool. They kind of ran their two-man weave back and forth. Um, 
it seemed to be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing to me because guys took threes and guys took guys took jumper, you know, perimeter shots. It wasn't just, you know, there's nothing more tired than driving when nobody wants to stand in front of anybody who's driving. So that looks really bad. And so, like, one year they didn't balance the floor at all. That looked like the worst of all time, and people were like, call off the game. Then the next year they they went with, you know, everybody's going to drive and dunk, but there was that looks really bad because it just it just nobody wants to stand in front of anybody. This game, there was no D, but it looked more aesthetically pleasing because at least they balanced the floor and shot threes. It didn't yeah, look it didn't think. look bad. Like watching it, you didn't sit there and go, What the heck is this? Oh, I, but, I thought it was jogging in between the free throw lines, embarrassing for the entire game of basketball. Like but I, it was I, a bunch I, of threes. I, you know what I mean? They shot a yeah. ton of threes. I mean, they had to set the record by twenty five threes, right? More, probably was, more. It was ridiculous. All I can tell you is that this league misses Kobe Bryant. Because Kobe Bryant, you know, you say what you want. Here's the thing. Mamba mentality was more than a T-shirt, you pussies. He really wanted to come out and beat you, to compete against you. He wanted to play defense against you. And he wanted it more than any one of you. And, and I, literally, this is going to, I don't know if anyone else is coming down anyone's road like this today, but I will. I'll be the bad guy. You know who's at fault here? Who? LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. Why'd you let your league go soft, boys? Why'd you let your league go soft? You are the old men in the room. You are supposed to be the direct tie to forget about how you think it is, Anthony Edwards. You think it's a vacation and a break and no one wants to compete. You fucking pussy. We are all-stars. We are the greatest basketball players in the world. And we're going to go out here and we're going to put on a show and we're going to do that with a little bit of defense. And LeBron and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant have seeded the league to team rests tonight. I, to me, it's up to the old guys to set the standard, and they have failed in that regard. Kobe Bryant would literally have been out there with a bullwhip cracking it over motherfuckers if he had been in that game, and I miss Kobe Bryant. That's all. I'm I don't know. I, I I hear you, but I mean, to me, it's that's unfair to put it on those three guys. I would say because um, they don't control this whole league, just because they're the best players, just because they're the veteran players. That, that nobody has that kind of voice or control. I would say um, find out whatever it's going to be that that the players will play hard for, and put that on the line. You know, I mean, they've tried charities. They've tried. I mean, to. Does nobody have anything they're passionate about well, at all? There's nothing but selfish agendas going on all across the board. And this game is what coming to Chase Center in 2025? Is it here next year? I think we couldn't. We couldn't. I like the return to the East versus West. I mean, they they tried the picking teams like that. That was really tired. That was really tired. It's like who cares? Like, and then 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 they then then they were too sensitive. Remember. Because like people didn't want to be picked last, so then they had to like do a secret, like they didn't tell us who was picked right, in what right. order. They, yeah, they, they no one wanted to be the last guy picked. <laughs> I mean, just ridiculous. Um, you know, it's okay. Fourth graders can be the last guy picked on the on the uh, schoolyard, but NBA players making millions can't possibly yeah. be the last guy picked. I, I just think, how about this? How about 
how about you know an all or nothing and get get some charity that they're super interested in and that's it all or nothing play for your charity how hard do you play and then then you can at least you can answer to the people in your charity of why you dogged and then it's then at least is directly on you and you know you're pick a charity that's meaningful to you and have a hundred percent of the proceeds go to the winning charity and you know, the side who's you know the whoever wins and they're the charity that they chose and then let the, if they want a dog they can dog and for their own charity i mean it's like i mean to me i don't know i don't know what else you can do um i like the format of of east versus west i would like to see the uniforms um i like that more than the you know u.s world or or picking teams or i hate you know anything like that it just seems like you know is this about the fans at all i mean i don't know it seems like you know i don't know it's i i would love to see them come up with something that they care about and then and then play play kind of hard i mean is it that hard to play kind of hard uh for a game it's amazing how how you know i mean the i think a magic in in that all-star game and i think i think it was in orlando in 92 i think it was it was like one of the best all-star games ever he hadn't played all year he had hiv there was questions whether or not he anybody wanted him to play and you know we did we knew so little about what was going on and you know there were guys that i'm sure didn't like the fact they were gonna have to rub up against um magic even though it probably had no impact um so there was a lot of fear and a lot of you know but that was an incredible all-star game but they played it out you know I mean, or at least, you know, the one thing about the old All-Star game, the old All-Star games in the in the 70s and 80s, they would do a lot of razzle-dazzle, but then they would buckle down with about seven, eight minutes left to play in each half and kind of play hard. You know, so Our, it, was, uh, it was a combination of, of uh, moves and guys playing real basketball. This is, there's no real basketball in this. All I can how, about, how, about, how about the one that, did you see Tatum? Or uh, uh, Adebayo throw it off of Jokic's back. Yes, yeah, and that's like that's funny. That's like that's a good little all star moment. But then uh, the fact that Jokic doesn't even bother playing any defense on the other end of the floor. Like I just, it just all I could see with every single play that I saw in that game was the Kobe Bryant gif where he just shakes his head and goes soft. Whole <laughs> yes. league, whole league is fucking soft. The whole league is. And I'm sorry, I am putting it on the old guys in the room to set a standard. It's up to you. It's up to you. Because if you let the young guys in the room set the standard, that's the game we're watching. The We ain't here to play hard. I'm not here to get hurt. I'm only here so I don't get fined. That is the standard under which this game is being played right now, and it's substandard because of it. So um, act accordingly. We need a veteran in the room to call out all these young, total, soft-bellied, all-stars um our friend carl kelsick good morning carl is in the uh chat and he says no one wants to blow out a knee for an all-star game i'm going to suggest that you can watch every single basketball game for the rest of this year you're not going to see a single blown out knee like the uh, injuries catastrophic injuries do not happen on a basketball court with regularity and if you're that worried about it don't accept the bid to the game it's just that simple um I, I know what we got. Uh, I I, I want to talk a little bit about here spring training, but Larry, I'll say I will say that though the players do play. I mean, they do show up. It's not like they don't show up in the NFL. They beg out. 
I mean, now there's no game. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? At least in the NBA, the commissioner has enough juice where he can get all the players to show up. Well, again, why anyone would actually buy a ticket to an all-star game? I mean, you just want to be on Instagram yourself. That is the worst sporting event to spend a lot of money on in the Uh world. Seriously. Um, All right. I do want to get into a little spring training here, Larry, and we'll keep it a very little spring training. But first, I know you got a whole bunch of starred uh, comments in the chat. Let's get to those. First of all, I got to to yell at the chat here. There's There's so many people that are just, you know, badly want to drag Kyle Shanahan. It's like it's and they're all parked in this chat. You know, all, all, I mean, it's so sad. It's like, OK, to what end? To what end? So and after you're done with your petulant baby crying, then what? You're going to fire him. You want to fire him and you want to go to who? Kyle Shanahan is trash. He sucks. It's all on Shanahan. OK, fine. You want him out. Now, now what? You, you know, you, you've torn down the, the head coach. You got him out of there. Now, who do you want? Who do you want? Who's who's this awesome magic coach that's going to save them and, and vault them to the top? <laughs> Here we go. Everyone's worst nightmare. I'm Team Drag Kyle. He sucks. All caps. <laughs> I mean, it's like, go ahead. Go ahead. Everyone's worst nightmare. Who's your pick? Who's your head coach? We'll wait for you. You know what this, you should do? This should be good. This should you be know good. What you, should do? you know what you should do? You should hire Andy Reid and trade for Patrick Mahomes. See if the Chiefs are available to do that. I mean, oh, oh, that's not that you don't have that? That's unavailable? Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, really. Uh, what, there's somebody is this true? T-Dubs is Grant and Lowell were calling for his firing yesterday. You, Grant really? Lowell, that's the only really? lever they have. That's the only lever they have. Calling for a firing or a benching is all of those. That's all the two of those guys are able to do. They don't know how to talk about football like actual people who cover the sport. So it's the same ridiculous, never going to happen talking point. Again, there there is no sport in the world that proves two guys don't know what they're talking about as much as football has proven. The cones don't know what they're talking about. Well, we just can't. We just can't get beyond. We just cannot ever get beyond. Um, you lost the Super Bowl, and the head coach should probably return, and the quarterback should return. It's like, it's like, no, I demand change. Isn't that how we wound up with Tom Sula and Chip Kelly? The demand for change, because. What, Harbaugh wasn't good enough because he couldn't beat the Ravens? Harbaugh wasn't good enough at 44-19-1. Now you had to have a new head coach. Is Kyle Shanahan the perfect head coach? No. Did he make mistakes in the Super Bowl? Sure. Um, But do I want to run him out for another head coach? I may someday, but not today. Well, and here's Um, the thing. You can... can you can live in the world that you want to live in, or you can live in the world that's actually happening. There is no actually happening world where Kyle Shanahan isn't head coach week one next year. So to just talk about that as if that's the only goal of you as a fan, you are basically just stop being a Niners fan. Well, I mean, it, and it's if like, you know, I don't like to talk about support the team. People get mad at me because I've talked about Belichick, and they're like, shut up about it. It's never going to happen. Okay, 
if you're going to tell me to shut up about Bill Belichick as the defensive coordinator because it's not going to happen, then I got to tell you to shut the fuck up for saying that, you know, Kyle Shanahan should be, you know, should be, uh, you know, the, that Brock Purdy should be benched or that Kyle Shanahan should be fired because that ain't happening either. So there you go. All right. Let's on that. You should, you shut up, Larry. I wish you would just shut up about it. Larry, you, sh- you, you shut mm. up. Larry, you shut up, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Frank Tom Ocean has become a YouTube member. Every time I see Frank Tom Ocean, I think of Billy Ocean. I don't know why. Get out of my dreams. <laughs> Laura Taylor, what are your thoughts on Xavier Leggett? Look at that. Um, you came to the right place because you know I do have thoughts on Xavier Leggett. Um, what can you tell us about Xavier Leggetti? Yeah, I love him. He's about 230 pounds. He's a wide receiver um, um, at uh, South Carolina. 6'3", about 230, fifth-year senior, kind of a throwback wide receiver, I mean, to a to a different era. I mean, he's a gigantic physical X receiver who bullies defensive backs at the top of the stem and, and just just does what he wants. I mean, he's a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's a force, though. He's a force, and I'm eager to see what he runs because at 220 pounds, if he runs sub-4-5, you know, he might be, he might be your Brandon Ayuk replacement. Do you like um, it? You, I mean, he's, he's Mr. Yak Yard, right? Yeah. Big catch radius. This guy runs away from you. Uh, he'll run through you. He's, he's, you know, in a lot of ways, he'd be a perfect Niner because he's a very physical run blocker. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, the Niner receivers run across the middle of the field. And that's what this guy does. Look at it this way. Can you get him in the second or third round, Larry? That's the question. Because yeah. the first yeah. pick of the draft has got to be, got to be an offensive lineman for the 49ers. The only concern I would have is that there's only one year of awesome production at South Carolina. Other than that, he didn't have incredible production, but um, his pre-draft will be huge. The workouts, uh, the the you know what he does in Indy. But you're talking about six six one long arms, two hundred twenty seven to two hundred thirty pounds with the ability to run away from you. So if he runs anything like low sub low four fours. He's probably going to be a late first or an early second. Thank you, Laura. There you go. Appreciate that, Laura. That was outstanding. Um, we've got this one from Moises Rosales. Where do you see Kalia Davis and Bradley Beal? Not Bradley Beal. Uh, Robert Beal Jr. Robert next Beale year. Jr. Uh, Kalia, I just see in the mix. Beal, I think, has starter potential, but he's a ways away as well. I mean, uh, he couldn't get on the field very much this year, but the guy is 6'4", 250, and he's fast. I'll tell you, the, the the guy who could solve some defensive line problems is already on the team, and his name's Drake Jackson. Yeah, if he if he could get it rolling, there's no question. Moises Rosales is can Jair Brown and, and Talanoa Hafanga both start next year? Well, Hafanga's got an injury that probably will make him sidelined to begin the year. Um, but you saw Jair in the Super Bowl play well and have that pick. I think, yeah, I think Jair can play the deep middle, and I think Afonga can play in the box. 
So, yes, I do believe they can play together. I do think the 49ers will get another box safety, um, and I think they'll let Gibson go this offseason. So um, expect another safety. But, yeah, eventually Jair and Afonga could start together. James Foster, if you really rewatch the game, the Chiefs sideline was any jumping a ch- – the Chiefs' sideline was jumping and cheering when the 49ers went on an eight-minute drive and were four yards from a touchdown. There wasn't any jumping and cheering, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, the Niners had it. If the Niners get that third and four for a first down, they're winning the game on a short field goal. You know, I mean, simple as that. That was a huge monumental stop by Spagnolo's defense, a major play by by McDuffie and by um, by Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones was fantastic. Jordan Pena, that fumble that McCaffrey gave up did not put points on the board for the Chiefs, so that didn't mean anything. Oh, no, I don't think you can look at it as it didn't mean anything. It meant an awful lot. It meant that took you took away didn't... a score. Yeah, yeah, it took away a score in a in a in a game that finished as one score game. So I mean, it I think it meant a lot, and it just it's it was an ominous tone, Larry. I mean, McCaffrey had spent zero time basically fumbling this year, and for him to get to the biggest game of the year and make his biggest mistake of the year, it just it set the entire tone of that game back because they were they were hot knife through buttering the Kansas City Chiefs in that opening drive. Everything was going smoothly until that fumble. There was a lot of there was a lot of uh, momentum shifts that in this game. I mean, that was one of them. Losing Greenlaw on a, just running on the field was another kick to the gut. I mean, there were some really tough plays in this game. Bad Bad X Mike says, "How do you feel about about the refs not flagging a single call on Casey's O line?" Personally, I feel that the refs are partly to blame, but not noticed. I mean, it's loser talk to talk about it, but we all saw it. I mean, the bear hug. I mean, seriously, yeah, I don't see too many bear hugs that don't get called in the NFL. But I'm not going to sit here and and point to that as why the Niners lost. I just, I just can't. I can't. It's just not in me. James Foster says Debo can be cut next year with sixteen to seventeen million dollars in cap savings. You know what? Had Debo and and. George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk had huge games and you could bring it down to just, it was one play here or there that could have gone. It was, I don't, I don't think you can blame the officials. It wasn't good. It wasn't a good look for the officials that no holding was called, but that's, that's not where the game got decided. Yeah. I mean, even if it did, I, you're not going to get me to say it. I, I just, just, I just don't think it's, I don't, I don't live my life that way going, well, the officials robbed them. I mean, if it's the last play, I mean, I I said it more in the Baltimore game in the Super Bowl um, because that was non-calls at the end of the game and the Jacoby Jones double hold against Bruce Miller. And there were some really, really bad calls in that game at the very end uh, that were very painful. But I don't like that whole narrative of blame the refs. 69ers, his Chargers are planning to release Joey Bosa. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, I'd be a big fan of Joey Bosa coming here. Michael Alanis, we don't need any more injury-prone players. The bulky days are long gone. Yeah. Stop with the Joey Bosa fantasy. O-line, our biggest need. Um, the D-line is easily the biggest need. You have six free agents on your D-line. Your D-line is, if, if all your free agents walk away, your D-line is nothing close 
to the D-line you had this year. So the D-line is a bigger deal. You need a tackle. Um, there's no question you need a right tackle along the offensive line. But you have Trent Williams. You have Aaron Banks. Brendel was a Pro Bowl alternate. Um, you know, I mean, they like Burford as a prospect down the road. I mean, you need, you need a little help on your O-line. You need a starting right tackle. But you really need is you need some you need about five good D linemen. Um, and as far as injury prone players, Balky was drafting guys like Marcus Lattimore, who had had you know major major injuries, and he was such a moron. He was drafting those guys in like the fourth round. So there's a big difference between drafting damaged good running backs who had career ending injuries. Um, that you Mark saw Lattimore had one of the most gruesome on-field injuries I've ever seen in a football game. Balky's like, I like it. Fourth round. We need that guy. <laughs> I mean, Trent Balky's an absolute moron. Um, Michael Landis, our linebacker coach, Johnny Holland will be the DC. Uh, I don't believe so. I would say that's not going to, not going to happen. Kevin F said, Damon said, I'm an idiot for calling the chiefs the favorite to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. It aged well. Thanks for the content this year. Good luck with the offseason and beyond. Did you call this man, this Kevin F., an idiot for saying that the Chiefs would repeat? Do you did remember? That, uh, did, did that $10 super chat come down on your end or my end, Larry? Your end. Oh, well, then I do remember you, Kevin. And absolutely, it was, a, it was one of the most uh, memorable highlights of my entire career here on YouTube. Uh, sorry I got that wrong. <laughs> Laura Taylor says, I say we mic up the refs. Let's be more transparent. We mic up players, hold them accountable. Laura, I got a better idea. How about this? If you're on the field and you impact the game, you should have to face the music that the, that everybody else faces. What we have a post-game presser. Why do we not interview these guys? Everybody else gets held accountable. The coaches get fined for being frustrated with the officials, but the officials can 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 go change their clothes and walk out to their rent a car and take off, and there's zero public accountability. How about instead of miking them up because we don't really care what they say, how about just having them address the press? And if you're really really bad, and let then then you should have to answer for your really really bad performance. The way any wide receiver, corner, or head coach would have to answer for their really bad performance. Hmm. What do you think of that? I what think it's a really that? good idea. I mean, there's there's nothing quite like a, a public shaming to uh, get your full attention these days. So, look, they're just you know accountability has to go in all directions, and I think the league needs to be held accountable for asking referees to do this on a part-time basis they need to be full-time they need to be trained across the board i think it's a time where we absolutely mirror the collegiate um the collegiate rules with professional rules and there's almost like a um you know what, what, what do they have in in european soccer relegation so, some officials should be NFL officials, and it's very clear that you are in over your head as an NFL official, so you maybe go get the five best graded out college officials, move them to the NFL, and take the five worst NFL officials and move them back to college. And there needs to be some sort of 
major league, minor league umpire system happening here where only the best and brightest make it through. I I like that. Just no, uh, you know, it's not like 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 in college there are tenured professors who can't be like fired. Basically, the NFL, the officials should have to earn their spot every year. They should have to earn their spot. And and yeah, you know what? Yes, the NFL started in a mom and pop situation. It's a forty billion dollar operation now. We can have full-time officials. And people are like, well, what are they going to do all the time? Make shit up. You know what? The, there's part-time officials and non-NFL officials that officiate every single 49er practice. Have the actual officials doing that. There you go. You, what, do you, what do they do during the week? They officiate practice. Instead of having part-time officials, why not just have the actual officials at practice, there's their full-time status. Then they can be full-time guys. I mean, then why not? Um, Dale says, place betting on the ref's calls. God, that's all we need. Too much sauce says, what are the chances of a 2026 Super Bowl at Levi's Stadium? It's coming, right? Well, yeah, that, that is happening, right? That's the ne- that's the next time it's got the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm not, Is it 2026? I thought it was 2029. Maybe I'm wrong on that. We'll see on that. I don't know. Um, All I can tell you is that Levi Stadium should never host another Super Bowl. <laughs> well, the Bay Area should never host a Super right. Bowl. The, the Bay Area is a terrible host city for because it's not a city. The Bay Area is a region where there's 50 miles between the stadium and many of the events. That's that's a non-starter. Right. T- Vegas was perfect. Um, you know, New Orleans next year will be great. They want to throw it in Miami. Otherwise, for, tell everybody else, congratulations on your new stadium, but no. Uh, Charles Barkley, Damon Bruce should collab with Grant and Lowell. <laughs> yeah, that would be that, I'd pay to watch that. Carson Hummel, Ayuk plus a second for a top 10 pick, find an elite offensive tackle or cornerback. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a true number one corner especially after watching this game. Anthony, Bill Belichick as head coach, and Robert Sala as defensive coordinator. Is Sala getting dumped anytime soon? I don't think so. Yeah, and then neither is Kyle Shanahan, so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jeff says, Larry, let Damon know about our boy Graham Barton, (laughs) big offensive lineman from Duke who plays guard and tackle. There you go. All right. So he's a versatile Graham Barton. Graham Barton. Uh, Graham Barton is a, is a, is a decent player. I'll say that, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know what else I can say. No, I mean, Graham Barton is a, um, is a offensive lineman who, um, you know, is, is one of the best offensive linemen in the draft. I don't know exactly where he's going to go. I'm not sure though, if he's a full-time offensive tackle, he may actually be kind of maybe more of a, Instead of an offensive tackle, he might be more like a uh, a guard. And then if he's a guard, mm, do you want him? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know what I mean? Do you, do you want a guard so high in the first round? Uh, that's That would be the one concern I would have for well, Graham. Is he the best offensive lineman available when the pick comes up? Because that's what I think they need to use their first round pick on the best offensive lineman available. If you're telling me you'd rather have a tackle, I'd agree with you. 
But if you got a guard to come in and play opposite of Aaron Banks and just no more Feliciano or Burford, you got a legit other guard. Uh, the Niners need that too. I mean, an awful lot of the pressure came right through that Feliciano Burford opening, right? So. Yeah. The only thing is guards don't have the same value in the NFL as tackles. Um, so to me, you know, uh, this guy played center. He played guard. I mean, the, the advantage of Graham, of, uh, Graham Barton is that he's smart. He's huge. 6'5", 315 pounds, senior. Uh, three, what was not an awesome athlete, like only a three-star recruit, and is might be more of a guard. And that's the thing. It's like the when the Niners took McGlinchey in the top ten, it's like it was a bad pick. Why? Because you don't draft a right tackle in the top ten typically. And that's what they did. Um, and he wasn't good against power, and he wasn't great against speed. So it's like, mm, I don't know. Uh, it's not not my not that would not be my my pick. But we'll see. There were still very early. We have to have the combine. I mean, the bottom line on all this stuff is there's some important dates coming up for for football fans. The important dates coming up are basically February 27th is the scouting combine in Indy. Uh, March 13th, free agency begins at one o'clock on the West Coast. Uh, that's also when the trade deadline or the trade market opens up. You can make trades. Um, and then, of course, you know, the NFL draft is um, is April 25th, 26th and 27th. And uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from there. But those are the key dates. Um, but those are all the Super Chats 21. Wait a second. Wait a second. No, we, we got a, a few come in at the end here. A couple more here at the end. Look at this. They snuck in when I wasn't looking. Uh, Anno Kekala, Ono Kekala, Ona Kekala, Ono. It's time to replace McKivitz. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not going to. Here's the thing. I also think that Colton McKivitz got a little bit of a bad rap this year. He was better than his report card says. But, yes, that's an area of improvement that you would like to see the 49ers execute. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't like they lost the Super Bowl because of Colton McKivitz. Um, he was he was more than serviceable throughout the year. Right. It wasn't but like they, they lost the Super Bowl because of Mike McGlinchey either. I think Mike right. McGlinchey is another one of those, like, gets kicked around more than he deserved to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. And it was because Mike McGlinchey had one major problem. He could not kick out with enough foot quickness to beat speed rushers. Right. So what would happen is he would lunge out. And then when he lunged out and he got banged on his left shoulder, he'd be like horizontal to the ground. And then people would be like, look at Mike McGlinchey. He's horizontal to the ground. And so it was like, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's, you know, you know, that's not good. Um, and then suddenly, so everything, all of his weaknesses were all just one weakness that just kind of burned him in a bunch of different ways. Uh, Sam Wilson says, I got a bad feeling Brandon Ayuk is being traded in the upcoming days. This is going to be Buckner all over again. What trade compensation would be ideal for Brandon Ayuk? I would say this. like If the Raiders want him, I would want their 13th pick in the first round and Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end. And I'd give you Kamla, too. As a, you know, I want two players. I want, a, I want minimum two for one. So if, if he's going to the Raiders, I want the 13th pick and, um, and, and, and you know, that tight end. If he's Speaking going to the Raiders, 
how about Jimmy Garoppolo getting popped for a little off season? You shouldn't do that. Can't take that. I know. I that you know. Anybody who's taking performance-enhancing drugs, I always wonder about. You know, I always wonder about. As well, and it wasn't a straight-up PED. It was like he was. It's 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 probably like a diuretic, or Adderall, or something that is commonly prescribed. But he did not have the common prescription for it, so that's why he got popped. Ah. Um, yeah, I don't think it would. It's not like the guy's cycling through Dianabol. Like <laughs> yeah. You see Jimmy, he's just freaking got these traps and he's just stands alone. I'm Jimmy Garoppolo on Nandrolone. K.O. Garoppolo, just all I'm, neck. I'm Sean Merriman, but I look like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Gold Tau in the house says, is it likely that the Chiefs who led the league in drops, maybe the Chiefs play best when it matters most like champions? Is it likely that the Chiefs? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Because I, I said before, hey, is it, how likely is it that a team that led the league in penalties would have no penalties against a really good uh, defensive end combo? And he says, touche. They also led the league in drops, and they didn't drop the ball in this game. They well, did have one. Wait. I think they did have one drop, but yeah, the, I know what you're saying. The Kansas City Chiefs played an up-and-down regular season, and then their best football of the year once they hit the playoffs why don't know but that's what happened yeah the 49ers basically did it the other way around 49ers played their best football in the regular season and some of the worst football that we saw from them happened in the postseason so it's amazing they kind of reached the super bowl under those circumstances to be totally honest with you um by the way a guy named alan smith uh says you guys aren't winning with shanahan okay real quickly let's just examine that for how you wrote it now if you want to say you that guys, means he's a fan of another team. If you haven't won a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan, no one could argue that, right? They have not won a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan. But in terms of winning, there is no team in the NFL that has won more with its head coach since 2019, but for the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid. So if winning is the standard by which you hold Kyle Shanahan, he wins more often than all head coaches but one over the last four years. So what do you really want? Because yeah, I mean, we all know what they want. They want they want to win the Super Bowl and they're gonna hold Kyle accountable until they right. do. And that's fair. That's fair. Do an awful lot of winning to lose the Super Bowl. Right? Well, you can't say they don't win big games. That was the you don't win big games. Well, the NFC championship game wasn't a big game. Right. They won that. They've all won that a couple times. Big games. All yeah. playoff games are big games. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's got a really good playoff winning percentage. Um, but the truth is the truth. He yeah. hasn't done it. You haven't done it till you've done it. Frank Tom Ocean, thoughts on Pablo Sandoval's attempted comeback. I don't even think he's trying to come back. I bet you the Giants called him and were like, hey, we need some uh, positive juju in camp. What do you think? Last year... Who was it last year? It was uh, Romo, right? Yes. Yeah, right? It was Sergio Romo. Right. This year, it's Pablo. So Giants can't get any real players, so they just get, you know, as yesterday's players. When I think of uh, uh, a... a so they did get Solaire, so way to go. When, when I think of a player who you, without a doubt, wanting to set an example for personal discipline in your clubhouse. Pablo Sandoval is not the name that comes to the top of my list. You know, I mean, I, Hey, 
team have memories to sell you is already starting to sell you those memories here in 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 spring training which means look out for a rough baseball season probably coming your way i mean if you got to break out the panda hats before there's been one pitch of consequence thrown in a in a spring training game you are tugging on those nostalgia strings a little too early in the game for my liking um, but it's fine. You know, it's a, it's spring training. I yeah. don't think he's taking away developmental at no. from anyone. Uh, it's just, it's fine. Whatever. It's the least of the giants problems. How about just, this? Go ahead. Just go get another. I mean, come on. The giants said they want the, their famous line of the off season was, was Charles Johnson's kid who came out and said, we want to break even. Well, you still have to spend like $40 million more to break even. I mean, they, I mean, they, they have, they haven't spent the money that they should spend. So go get Cody Bellinger, go get, go get, uh, Blake Snell, go get whoever you need to get. I'm not a big Matt Chapman guy because I think, um, I'd rather go with Casey Schmidt, but what the hell? I mean, go sign Cody Bellinger. What the hell? Go get it done. I mean, you it, that's where you said that you wanted to break even. Well, the break even point has you spending another $25 million. Go spend it. Oh, no, not according to Andrew Baggerly. Larry, uh, the Giants targeted players like Solar, charismatic center fielder Jung-Hoo Lee, and right-hander Jordan Hicks, the latter of whom who throws a triple-digit fastball that's better measured by the Geiger counter. The Giants committed $199 million to those three players this offseason, spending more free agent money than any other team but the Los Angeles Dodgers. In other words, they had the second best free agency. The, well, dude, I, you know, like Andy, I like you, Andrew Baggerly. I think you are a good baseball writer, but that is doing an awful lot of playing the house organ. Um, you can look at this lineup and see how poorly they are built. Their rotation is basically Logan Webb and good luck with that, followed by a lineup that is Solar will hopefully hit 30 home runs, the first giant to do so since 2004. And what? Uh, a, a bunch of guys who probably not one of them is hitting better than 275. I mean, it's a rough lineup. It's a rough rotation. No matter I mean, how you look at look it, at no matter your, how much money they spend. What about the outfield? Your outfield is Jung Hoo Lee, who's in the KBO. And once again, the KBO is the equivalent of high A or double A. You gave him $19 million a year on a six-year deal for a guy who, pit, who pit, played in the KBO. You gave him the same amount of money the Astros are paying Jordan Alvarez, the same amount of money that Arizona's paying Corbin Carroll. So this guy better be freaking good. He's your leadoff hitter and everyday center fielder, and he'll be flanked on the outfield grass by Michael Conforto in left and Mike Yastrzemski in right. And do we need to do a review of what those guys did last year? Um, Conforto... Hit 239 with 15 home runs in four uh, 406 at bats. That's what he did. And Yaz hit, wait for it, 233 with 15 homers. So I mean, those are those are not that's your corner outfield. 
So, I mean, and that's your outfield with, with Lee in the middle. So that's the worst outfield there is. I mean, there is no other outfield in, in the big leagues that is approaching that level of crap. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, it is what it is. It's uh, they need Cody it's, Bellinger. It's about the, somebody. It, it's as big of a dead on arrival baseball season as the giants could have actually come up with now, because, you know, they are analytically inclined and they are a matchup heavy baseball team that they will probably cobble out their 75 to 81 wins, but, you're not chasing 500. You're chasing the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Los Angeles Dodgers are basically, you know, their their lineup is the Blue Angels. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's the, the, the Dodgers have more talent in their first three hitters than the San Francisco Giants have in all three levels of their organization. Every guy, <laughs> just look at it this way. Every guy in the Dodger lineup would hit third for the Giants. Think about that. That's Every true. single player that they put on the field would hit third for the Giants. So that's where they're at. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what they do. I mean, um, but yeah, Farhan's got more money to spend. Hopefully he's got more trades up, up his sleeve. He's already told um, everyone. No, he's, he's telling everyone who's uh, asking questions down in Scottsdale. The team is on the field, Larry. Yeah, they're, well, not making, they're not really adding anything to this. This team is built, it's complete, and they like what they see. He really values that flexibility that a, a everyday major leaguer like Cody Bellinger might not provide for them. They'd rather have a flexible situation than a major leaguer. Which well, you know what? Their fans are going to feel the same way about buying tickets. I don't Don't know if I want to commit to a to a actual purchase. I'd like the flexibility uh, of being able to maybe walk up and uh, and buy tickets on the day of the game. I think there'll be a lot of people that will be. You care about your flexibility. I care about my flexibility. There'll be a lot of flexing of flexibility. Uh, ono Kai Kala Ono says thoughts on Joe Alt or or uh, Fashanu uh, for Penn State. Well, Joe Alt is six foot eight, three hundred fifteen pounds. A lot of people compare him to McGlinchey. He's a Notre Dame offensive tackle. He's coming out after his after his junior year. Uh, his dad is John Alt, who was a first round pick in the mid eighties and played a decade in the NFL with the Chiefs. I like pedigree um, players. I do. Yeah. Yeah, his son Joe Alt is a you know was a tight end in high school, and he was a awesome recruit. I think he was a four star recruit. He's from the Minneapolis era. He started as a true freshman, uh, as a sophomore. He was a thirteen game starter, first team All American. Um, he was a consensus All American, dominant left tackle in twenty twenty three. So you know, yeah, tall guy, lean frame, but considered kind of a blue chip guy has, you know, may, I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, he's got great feet, um, but how much does he lock down as far as a base guy? And then as far as the other, the other guy you're asking about Fashanu, Fashanu was, was considered the number one offensive tackle, um, you know, coming into the, coming into the year. Uh, and he's just a monster. He's, he's only a, he's a baby. He's a red shirt junior, and he's 6'6", 320, played in Happy Valley. Um, just a great pass protector, really strong hands. 
um, you know, really high-end player. I mean, 6'6", 320, great length, great power, great ability to absorb pass rushers. He's a blue chipper. I mean, he is going to be, I would say, Fashanu goes in the top 10. Uh, and, and maybe Alt does too. So, I, once again, if you want a, 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 even a chance at either of those guys, you're going to have to trade Brandon Ayuk and get a mid-first-round pick and hope that one of those guys falls. Uh, otherwise, it's just pipe pipe dream. Kyle Ben says, bring in Bill Belichick as a D.C., trade Brandon Ayuk, Debo, or Kittle. Well, I well, think like one of those names has got to go, right? Yeah, I mean, probably. Blood Moon says, Luke McCaffrey is a unique talent like Debo. Well, he's nothing like Debo, but he is uh, interesting in that he was a quarterback, played wide receiver for Rice this year for the very first time, and is had a really good year. I mean, he was all-conference. I'm interested to see how he runs when he goes to Indianapolis um, for the for the Combine. But I asked Christian about him, and he's like, man, I would love to play with him. He was all-conference. He made a number of big catches. He looked good in the uh, Senior Bowl uh, practices. Um, tough kid for sure. But I don't know that I see a special athlete as far as separation. My guess is he's going to run in the four fives and probably be a day three pick. Like, you know, fifth round, sixth round, something like that. I mean, he's projected to go higher, but I, I don't think so. Got, McCaffrey's got – like actual football game speed, what they might not measure in, and this doesn't count for Christian because he measures out great, but you know, I, I wouldn't bet against a McCaffrey. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, oh, he's an NFL player. This yeah. guy's an NFL player for sure. Uh, the question is, is he a backup and, or is he a starter with upside? I don't, you know, I, I would say to me, he looks like a really, really good backup. That's what he looks like. But this, you know, uh, Niners are going to have three options as far as internal. Frank Gore's kid is in this draft, and he Jerry looks Rice. just like Frank. Jerry's kid is in this draft, and I love him. Um, Brandon Rice from SC, 6'4". Uh, we'll see how he runs, but um, there you go. Boy, that's an awful lot of pressure, by the way, right? Can you imagine you're Jerry Rice's kid and you're drafted as a Niners wide receiver? That's, that's a lot to live up to. Lots that is that is a lot. Um, I, I I guess Larry, we got to wrap up with this because again, we drifted into the concept of baseball talk, which is a concept we're going to have to get more and more familiar with, being that it is, you know, football rearview mirror. And here's the thing: when we do wake up, is a three day a week show starting on November uh, March fourth. Um, we're going to do a tight forty five minute show, and the first twenty minutes of every show is going to be football. Larry and I are in this for the football. You're in this for the football. So we are going to be bringing you the most up to date weekly Forty ers coverage that you can find Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Wake Up. But every then, rumor, every everything that we read, I'll bring to that table. Bring to the table. Absolutely. But then we're going to have to get into the other things that are the sports that are actually happening. And we should be in line for at least an interesting final third of the season from the Golden State Warriors. And if nothing else, other than things to complain about, the San Francisco Giants will offer their version of interesting to us at some point here. That's how baseball works. So we'll find that story when it comes to us. And then there's obviously the story of the homeless A's. And that's what they are. They're not the Oakland A's. They're not the Las Vegas A's. They're the homeless A's. Um, they're 
back asking Oakland for more time and possibly a new lease, while at the same time they're poking around Sacramento and Salt Lake City, and there is zero concrete plan that has materialized in Las Vegas. You can show me artist renderings all you want until you got blueprints. Nobody's interested. And on top of the list of nobody's interested seems to be the city now of Las Vegas, who has gotten close enough to John Fisher to smell the rat that he is. And the closer you get to the A's, the more you realize as you're trying to do business with them, and you can take it from me as someone who used to work at a flagship station of the Oakland A's, the closer you get, the more you don't like what you see and what a total fraud of competency they truly are as an organization on every level of doing business, from selling radio ads to building a stadium. They're not good at any of it. And the situation that John Fisher has executed for them is amazing. It's absolutely amazing the world that this franchise lives in because major league owners continue to support an owner that is totally devoid of any support at all. Personally, I would love to see them, you know, go to Sacramento temporarily and stay forever. Because, you know, here's the thing. Sacramento Knights are beautiful. And I would I would absolutely um, go up to Sacramento and go check out an A's game at night in that stadium. It Rayleigh Field right now is in West Sac. It only, I think the capacity is like 14,000, okay? Um, figure out a way to put, 10,000 seats in that place in on some other some other deal and have a 24,000 seat stadium. There you go. And stay there. Because bottom line is you've got you you'd pick up some fans up in Sacramento. It's a great baseball town. Uh Major League Baseball would be supported in Sacramento cuz it's Major League Sports. The same way the Kings draw, they would draw up there. And um and then you know as far as um, you know, you you look down the road. I mean, that that's a gr the A's fans who are A's fans can still stay A's fans. I mean, you're ta talking about how many times do you go to a baseball game? You probably go to a baseball game five, six, seven times a year. You could live in Oakland or anywhere in the Bay Area and be an A's fan and go to Sacramento five, six times a year and Child check out some games. There. Caltrain, if you want, or if you just wanted to go and drive up there and spend the night, or or drive and just drive back. I mean, heck, I I used to drive drive. I went to Sac State. I drove back and forth to San Francisco quite often. Uh, my daughter went to Davis. I drove up there quite a bit. My in laws are up in El Dorado Hills. We drive up there quite a bit. It's hardly a f freaking nightmare drive. Uh, it's actually right. kind of a nice drive. As long as you don't try to rip it off at about 4.30 on a Friday. Just avoid that travel time and you're good. Yeah, but I mean, it's a great, that's a great spot for baseball. It's a great baseball town. The weather in Sacramento in the evening in the summertime is glorious. Much I mean, better than in Las Vegas. Much better than the Bay Area. I'd much rather. You give me July 19th. You pick a date on the calendar, not in April. Okay, not in April because April is going to be cold. But you till you get me like you know July, a July fifteenth night game, and I can go sit at the Coliseum, or 
or or Oracle Park or Sacramento, I'm choosing Sacramento every time. If there's a Major League Baseball game going on there, why? Because you can wear shorts and a T-shirt, and you're just you're comfortable. It's it's sitting outside in Sacramento at nighttime in the summertime is wonderful. So I I you know why not why not and and you, at least you could keep the A's instead of instead of basically flipping the bird to all A's fans, you could basically say hey, join us in Sacramento. They'd have new fans from up there. They'd have their old fans from down here. And I think it would be the best thing for them to do long term. Uh, much better than heading to Vegas where nobody seems to want them. Uh, it's not going to be sexy enough for John Fisher. John Fisher is looking for the best real estate deal that he can find. He can't find it anywhere. He's not going to find it in SAC. I mean, it's just... It's what really needs to happen is ownership stripped from John Fisher. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing. How many cities need to tell Major League Baseball, this guy is clueless before Major League Baseball realizes that the problem with the athletics isn't their city, it's their owner. No, it's, well, I mean, let's be honest about the A's. They have had, you know, they have been two different organizations for over a decade. On the baseball side, they're thoroughly competent. Billy Bean, David Forst, uh, they draft and develop talent. Um, they're they're solid. On the business side, train wreck. Absolute train wreck. Wrong decisions, terrible dilapidated stadium, the wrong public message, all kinds of mixed messages. The business side of the A's is a disaster. The baseball side of the A's is fine. They they need a new they need a new owner. They need a new direction. I, I kind of wish that they would force the sale to somebody like Joe Lacob, you know, um, because Joe Lacob would figure out a way to get that stadium built. And, you know, maybe Sacramento, maybe Sacramento for like 10 years might be the perfect idea for them. They can cultivate a new fan base and then build a, a brand new stadium in Oakland and um, that's state of the art and then draw from as big a pie as the Giants draw from. I mean, there's Giants. There are people that come from Fresno and Visalia and all these valley towns drive up for the weekend. They go to a Giants game. Well, the same thing could happen with the A's. They could have a fan base in Oakland. They could have a fan base that they cultivated in Sacramento. They could have a brand-new stadium in a decade from now with a owner that gave a damn like Joe Lacup, and they could – they could be right there, you know, rivaling the Giants for attendance because they have now all of Sacramento and the East Bay. So, I mean, to me, they ought to just abandon Vegas. It was a terrible idea to begin with. You're going to talk about Vegas baseball? Come on. It's hot as hell. You're going to play inside. That sucks. No. I mean, it would be much better to stay here where they've won championships, where they have fans. The economic community, right? The economic impact of the community here, you know, has obviously Oakland's not in a spot right now. But if maybe that could change if they forced a, a sale of the franchise and Joe was able to buy the thing and get a stadium built. I mean, the best plot of land to build on is the current stadium site where the A's play just with a brand new facility. And that's what should happen. That's convenient. That's smart. That's the best idea. And then you, you know, you maybe that maybe that's not ready. Maybe that's ten years in the future. Fine, play in Sacramento and cultivate a fan base there for 
for eight to 10 years and then, and then try to make it work in Oakland. I like that idea a whole lot better than go to Vegas and, you know, abandon the nation's what fifth largest market for Las Vegas. I mean, that's not, it's stupid. It, it was bad for the NBA to abandon Seattle for Oklahoma city. And it would be bad for MLB to abandon the Bay area as a two team market for Vegas. They should abandon John Fisher. Like and subscribe, my good friends. Great to have you here. Thank you for watching Wake Up Today. Oh, we got one more super chat in there, Larry. Boxing fan times four. Ayuk is worth a first rounder, but would any of these teams see him worth see him worth giving up a high pick like the Pats, Chargers, Giants, or Titans? Uh, and then we draft uh, Malik Neighbors. Yeah, I mean, if you could get the Giants to give their first round pick, maybe uh, maybe it's. Um, Maybe it's Ayuk and the Niners' first-round pick for uh, their top-10 pick and a second-round pick, something like that. Uh, I could see something like that. Malik Neighbors would be awfully nice, too. I, I kind of feel, though, if the Niners got in the top-10, they would still go with the tackle. They're probably going to go the tackle over wide receiver. But Malik Neighbors, I would, I'd be very happy to move Ayuk in a trade if you could get Malik Neighbors as a replacement, because I think Neighbors fits better with with the Niners long term. Guy named Sean in the chat says, "Loving this Bay Area support for Sacramento. Look, we got love for all the regions of the Bay Area and beyond. I mean, that's the way it goes. This is bigger than just a Bay Area or a San Francisco show. Now, that's the way it works here on YouTube. Thanks so much for coming on by today. Again, Larry and I are starting wake up at eight thirty a.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, beginning on March 4th. It's going to turn into a weekly three-day-a-week show. We hope that you plan on spending your mornings with us. It'll be a tight 45 minutes to fit perfectly into your morning schedule, to fit perfectly into your lunch break come that afternoon, if that's where it's best for you to watch it, or to fit perfectly on your drive home. What, what, are, you, what are you doing there? I was kind of showing you how tight it's going to be. It's going to be a very tight very tight, form. Very, very tight. We're going to make it very tight, and that's the way we're going to do it. Meanwhile, um, Larry, you know. We we, we began this program today with four ACLs. We ended with four ACLs, which means it wasn't a good day as far as I'm concerned. You know, we have one more super Damon and Lowry that we haven't even read. It's from TVU, who donates $5.00. Uh, which I wouldn't mind having right now. Uh, who are the top three all-time Niner running backs, a.k.a. Roger Craig, Frank Gore, uh, uh, Hugh McElhaney. And, Michael James on the list. <laughs> and, and the guy that I drafted out of Oregon, Michael James. Uh, I'd probably go with uh, Craig 1, Gore 2. Uh, and then maybe Joe the Jet Perry. I'm going uh, uh, Gore, uh, Craig one, Gore two, Christian McCaffrey third. Already, Christian McCaffrey one of the three best backs. In the history. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I knew he was, I, I told Tom, I, I told the people at Amici's, Damon's not going to want to go with you, McLaney. No, he's not going to want to go with Joe the Jet Perry. He's going to want to go with somebody more contemporary. Uh, you know, some, I knew Damon was going to be that way. He's always that way. And of course he was. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. 
Hey, everybody, have a great Friday uh, or a great Monday, I should say, Monday. a Monday holiday, a little, uh, little holiday weekend. Um, check me out. I'll be on the radio later today. Um, Damon, what do you got cooking on the on the plus later today? I'm not on the radio later today, Larry. I might not, not be on the radio any other day in the future, <laughs> but that's fine by me. Uh, what I got today are uh, a four-year-old and a two-year-old who are off for President's Day and a wife who has been babysitting them all morning so you and I can talk together. So I'm about to tap in and uh, take care of the boys. We're probably going to hit a playground before it starts raining out here again. And it's going to be a fun little President's Day with the boys. Uh, after that, this week is going to start opening up to Warriors talk and Giants talk and spring training talk. Uh, Plus Mania 3 has been set March 3rd, halfway club out in Crocker, Amazon, uh, starting at 4 o'clock. Larry's going to be there. We're going to have other Bay Area radio alum, I'm sure, stopping on by at some point. And it's a great little chance to get the community together. Um, no 11 o'clock show for yours truly today, but we begin that again in earnest on Tuesday. So as always, thanks for tuning in. Like and subscribe on the way out. Memberships indeed available. And we thank you for watching as always. You know, I always watch Damon and Lowry and I never miss. <laughs>